Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm Glenn Falkenstein from Falcon Screen, and we are joined by freelance writer and critic Virat Nehru. Hello, people. And Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hello, hello. Now we are into film festival mode, and we have one of my favourite festivals starting tonight. It is a festival very close to my heart, and that is the Australian Irish Film Festival. It kicks off tonight at the Penrith Girls Club, and tomorrow night through Sunday, it will be screening at the Chevelle Cinema in Paddington. And we are very lucky to have the festival director with us, Dr. Ender Murray, to speak about this year's program. Ender, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome, Glenn. Good to be here. So it is the fourth year. Um, I have been very fortunate enough to see the festival grow and become bigger and becoming the amazing thing it is now. Are you? Tell us about this year. Are you excited for this year's program? Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, we've got some great films, and um, we're screening in uh, Sydney this weekend, and then we're off down to Melbourne. So, yeah, we, we are um, expanding, slowly expanding. Um, so that's, that's all good. Um, We've got a fantastic program this year. Um, it's the it's the 20th anniversary of the peace process in, in Northern Ireland. So we've got a, a couple of films, four films, um, which are, deal with the um, legacy of the the troubles in 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 Northern Ireland. Absolutely, it's very important. And I know it ranges from dramas to documentaries. And I know the first film, the opening night film, is a historical drama which deals with this exact issue, as I understand. Yeah, so we've got four films, and we've got a range. We've got uh, a, a drama, Maze, um, which is a, a dramatization of the 1983 mass breakout from the Maze prison in um, in Northern Ireland, and um, there were uh, 31 uh, prisoners escaped. Now, the the, the film um, it, it's it's kind of like uh, looking at the personal. Um, relationship between the head of the prisoners and the and the head prison warden so um it, it's it's quite a um a, a good character uh piece um and i i really like it because it's not a kind of flag waving nationalist piece which i think it might be uh could descend into but no it's it, it's quite a, a well observed observation of of two men and and uh, part of their um the, the, the plot that involves the prisoners gaining the trust of the um, warden and then breaking the trust. So it, it, it deals with human emotions. Um, and and um, it's got a great uh, lead, uh, Tom Bourne Lawler. He's very well known to Irish uh, fans because of his uh, appearance in the, the Irish version of, of the Underbelly, which was called Love Hate. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, but but it's been breaking box office records in Ireland since its release in in September uh, last year, and it's been hugely popular on our um, uh, Facebook uh, 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 up to now. So yeah, that's that's going to be a big one. And of course, we've got the the legendary Irish Film Festival opening night party. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. Irish, yeah, Irish refreshments and Irish um, uh, finger food and and some. Great music, and hopefully we'll have a bit of dancing as well. Can I expect a bit of Guinness? A little bit of Guinness, yes. No, I don't want to be launching into stereotypes here, but we will have a bit of Guinness, a bit of Jemison's. Yep, it's it's a fun night. I'm there. Yeah, it's it, it's it's my favorite beer, so I'm very excited. I enjoyed it thoroughly last year, and I can't wait for this year. But you're playing if we, we do, if someone does miss it on Mays on Thursday night, that you're playing it again, aren't you? You're playing it twice. Yeah, we actually sold out uh, opening night, so um, we're, we're putting on another screening on the Sunday 
um, Sunday uh, 22nd at, at uh, 8.30. Fantastic. Now, the next film is also along the lines of the same theme, but it's a very different. It's a documentary, and it takes us back 20 years to a very consequential event in Irish history, as I understand. Yeah, so um, the uh, documentary In the Name of Peace, John Hume in America, is, is a, a real landmark. I think, I think it earns the name landmark documentary and uh, the film's uh, director, Morris Fitzpatrick, is, is coming over to introduce it. And it looks at um, an Irish politician, John Hume, who's, um, who was called by uh, President uh, Clinton, um, he, he was called a Martin Luther King of the, of the Irish uh, problem. So John Hume grew up in um, Derry and became involved in civil rights um, and um, followed the um, teaching of Martin Luther King and was a, a pacifist. So uh, what what he was very clever at was um, talking to people and persuading people. And he, he, he went over to the, the States and he got um, the American politicians involved in the Irish peace process. So um, they, they they came, they got involved and they uh, forced the hand of the, uh, the British uh, really to come to the table. And so... A master kind of strategist, and in 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 a in a world where we despair sometimes of our politicians, it's wonderful to see a, a, a politician who's actually done a huge amount of good. So that's looking at um, uh, John Hume and and his work in America. Fantastic. Now, changing tack ever so slightly, later that evening you have uh, something on the other end of the scale, a comedy. Now, I was fortunate enough to visit Dublin a few years ago and learnt a lot about the events of 1916, and this recounts the events and revisits the events, but in a bit of a roundabout way. Yes, yeah, so The Flag is um, a comedy. There's a, a legendary a comic, uh, Pat Short, and he's the, the main man. So... Um, uh, the story goes that uh, he discovers that his grandfather raised the flag in, in, in the revolution in Ireland, and, and now that flag was taken and has now been held by uh, a British army, and it's hung upside down as a, 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 in, a, in an officer's mess in England, which is kind of a, uh, an insult to the Irish. So uh, Pat uh, and some of his buddies head off to steal back the tricolour. So that's great. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty funny film. He's a, he's a, he's a very funny guy. So uh, it, it does have a, t- a touch of comedy, all right. Well, <laughs> here's a comedy. It's very funny. Well, you've, it's, it's awesome because you've done really well with comedies in the past. I remember one you premiered last year has gone on to quite some success on Netflix. The one about the two fellows who go searching in the lake for some illicit. That's right, Young material. Offenders. Young Offenders. Um, that's it. They've actually started. Yes, they've got their own series now. Oh wow! So that yeah, that was. Uh, major achievement there. That was that was uh, a remarkably successful film. They they were great. They were like little and large, Laurel and Hardy crew. So yeah, we've got um kind uh, uh, coming back to the uh, on the on the factual side. We're re- really happy. Um, we have a film by Alex Gibney, who mm. you, you may know from um, Going Clear about uh, Scientology, and also uh, Alex. Uh, Gibney uh, did. Uh, oh, no, uh, 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 he, he's actually won an Oscar for a film he made about a, a, a taxi driver in, in Kabul. Yes, um, but he also uh, directed Enron, uh, smartest guys in the room. So we've actually got his latest um, 
a documentary, and this is a, a certainly well, all of all of our films are Australian premieres, but this is the first time this has been seen um, oh, wow. over here. And, and this is a um, it's a hard hitting investigation of a dreadful um, crime that happened in Northern Ireland in 1994, where uh, innocent men were shot dead in a, a tiny pub in a tiny village and um, Alex Gibney has investigated this and um, he's produced a, a, um, a riveting documentary uh, in terms of the documentary form it's, it's really well well made uh, and he's also um, uncovered new information on, on this uh, dreadful murder and um, he reckons that he has uh, proved collusion between the British government and the um, the, the paramilitaries who, who pulled the trigger. So uh, that, that, that's fantastic um, coup for us. And we've got the producer Trevor Burney um, coming to Sydney to introduce the film. Yes, you do. I'm looking particularly looking forward to this one because we'll be chatting to Trevor later this week uh, later in the, for the next program, which I'm looking forward fantastic. to. And I've always found Alex Giddy's documentaries very interesting, so this one I'm sure will be no exception. Now, change Absolutely, t- yep. Now, change your tag again ever so slightly. We just had Friday the 13th, and I think people are in the mood for horror, and you have one particularly gothic horror, which is my favourite brand of horror, set in the early part of the 20th century. Yeah, so The, the Lodgers is a, uh, a film about uh, two twins who live in a... Um, a big house, and a big house is, was a, uh, a particular feature of Ireland. The big house, the big house, were, quite often was um, uh, built and inhabited by English landlords, and so they have this particular um, uh, atmosphere. And also, um, they're regarded by people as being um, not not a part of Ireland. So, I, I find this, in terms of um, de- de- deconstructing the film, that this is an uh, interesting part of it. But it's it's a really nicely made um, film. It's got some fantastic uh, cinematography. It's got um, Eugene Simon from Game of Thrones, um, David Bradley, who's Argus Vilch and Harry Potter, oh, and, and Bill, Bill Milner from Dunkirk. So it's got a, a great cast. And um, yeah, it's, it's very scary. What more can you ask? Well, a horror film. No, you can't. It's a perfect thing for late at night. And for the people who maybe aren't so big horror fans, um, like myself, I am a big music fan and a big fan of Irish music. I was fortunate enough to catch the rural and regional tour of a Irish folk group who came out last year. And I think for fans of that, there will be one particular film which will be of some interest. And I know it's about a real figure, but it's a dramatization. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. It's a dramatization of um, the, the remarkable life of a um, folk singer called Joe Heaney, who grew up in the west of Ireland, um, in, grew up speaking Gaelic in the Gaelic um, Gaelic area, the, the, the Gaeltacht, talked, um, and uh, he, he he's uh, sung in the style style of Shan Nose, which is on on a company, a cappella, um, and uh, this, the film's really. Uh, interesting because it dramatizes his life, so it uses actors to tell his story, um, and and it's got some fantastic uh, singers. I met the guys uh, when I saw this film last uh, year in Galway. Um, the, the, um, the, the the cast were there, and they are uh, also um, singers themselves. So uh, it's a really nice piece. Uh, it's made by Pat Collins. It's um, shot in black and white. It's got 
I think it, um, it investigates where this particular style of music comes from, where's the inspiration for it and the sound of it. And so it's, um, it features Irish landscape and stone walls and wind and um, a bit of rain. Um, very atmospheric film and really nicely put together. Oh, beautiful. And also you have a film uh, regarding the... I know, I know over the few years you've had films about people who've travelled... Irish, or the Irish community that travelled from Ireland or travelled back to Ireland and about the Irish diaspora, and you have a documentary focused on um, several couples, several Irish couples or families living in not just Ireland but the wider world. That's right. Uh, um, and this is a film by a young man, Cahill Kenna, and it's called Coming Home. And um, it follows... Uh, uh, five uh, Irish um, uh, couples who want to move back to Ireland after living abroad for many years. So um, it, it, they they, um, uh, they they up and they move, and Carl follows them in their journeys uh, to, back to Ireland. And there's actually one uh, a Dubliner, Vera Finnegan, who lives in Sydney, who's one of the pe- people featured in the film. Oh, beautiful. I love how there's a local dimension to, such a local dimension to Irish cinema and the festival in particular. Yeah. And you have a number of Australian shorts playing, well, not just Australian shorts, but some international shorts as well. Yeah, so uh, to, this year for the first year, we've um, started a short film competition. So we, we, um, we're really um, keen on the idea of um, involving people in creating stuff and um, activating the um, the Irish diaspora. You know, we, we hear it often enough that 30% of Australians have got an Irish background. Um, and um, um, I, I don't think that uh, there's been an awful lot of um, Irish-Australian films made and, and want to um, give people a kind of a uh, scaffold, uh, you know, a ladder to climb up. And um, we, we, we've got some, um, some, some new filmmakers. Um, so we've got an Australian prize and then we've got an Irish prize. So um, we had some... Uh, great films, um, short films, and we announced the winner on uh, Saturday. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. And the last film of the festival is actually the one I'm most interested in, most looking forward to, which is The Journey. Now, I was reading about this and the historical background to it and what brought about the particular events in this film and why they had to go about what the journey they do in a particular way. It's just so fascinating. I'm really interested to see yeah. how they dissect this over the course of the film. Yeah, it was a it was a great um, premise. The the the, um, the the director discovered that the um, the leaders of the two factions in Northern Ireland, the Republicans and the Loyalists, whenever they travelled overseas, they needed to, they had to travel together, and this was a safety issue. It meant that um, basically none of the um, supporters of either side would try and kill the, um, the, the 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 guy from the opposite camp. Uh, if they're both in the same plane um, or in the same car, so this this was the basic uh, seed for this um, story, and it's got Martin McGuinness. Um, yeah, um, it's 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 a funny one. It's a fictionalised and imagined account of what would have happened when um, Martin McGuinness and Ian Paisley were negotiating the peace agreement. So yeah, I'm just thinking. It, yeah, it's 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 um, um, it, it's based on based on fact. But you got two great actors, Timothy Spall, who I, I love, and Col- as Paisley and Colin Meaney as, as McGuinness, and it's both hilarious and poignant in in uh, um, in turn. 
um, and explores the, the relationship between these two guys. They 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 um, they were sworn enemies, but um, uh, they they uh, became known as the Chuckle Brothers, believe it or not, after the uh, peace agreement was signed because um, they got on so well together. So it was a real turnaround, um, and and I suppose it kind of uh, the uh, the lessons that we, we um, have to learn from. Uh, the, the peacemakers um, and the lessons that uh, you know this anniversary, uh, anniversary of the 20th anniversary of, of, of the uh, peace agreement is that uh, you know such intractable um, uh, conflicts can come to an end. Um, we never thought when I was growing up in Ireland, I never thought I'd see the day where where, where the fighting would stop, and and it has. So I think there's um, you know there's lots of um, learnings in there for, for for us and reconciliation and for. Um, uh, you know, for conflicts around the world. Indeed, and I'm certainly looking forward to exploring some of these themes and issues through cinema. Speaking of which, the festival kicks off tonight and tomorrow at the Chevelle for members of the Irish Australian community or people like myself who just love Irish cinema or love a Guinness. How do we go? How do we get tickets? Um, Irishfilmfestival.com.au is the place to go, um, and um, you can get your, get your tickets there. Um, we, and we've got a um, very vibrant Facebook community too. But, yep, um, Irish, uh, au. Fantastic. So please do check that out. We will be there. Film Fight Club will be there if you want to come say hi and have a beer. Ender, it has been an absolute pleasure. Looking forward to sharing some wonderful Irish cinema with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Glenn. It's been a pleasure. You good? Uh. <laughs> little help and this is Film Fight Club and that was the second series of the wonderful FX series or at least it was for a few seasons there Archer with his classic Rampage line which is the perfect segue for the next film we're talking about which is Isle of Dogs yeah no there was, there was, there was I, I, I didn't see this non sequitur non bit of non sequitur there we're talking about Rampage new film from the one the only Dwayne Johnson The Rock now how do I describe this film essentially future th- president future, <laughs> sorry future president you see we joke about these things now but we're going to listen back to this in a few years and just be wow I'm dead serious what would Vin Diesel do not I, run for president. You, you mean <laughs> vice president, Vin Diesel. Oh, Actually, they're, they're not getting along. Yeah, they, they exactly. His first act in office will be the Kill Vin Diesel Act <laughs> executive order. Maybe he'll run for president because The Rock is running for president. And it'll be like, hey. I would watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we, we, we predicted it first. But we are talking this week about Rampage, a new film with The Rock and Nemi Harris and Jeffrey Dean Morgan from The Walking Dead. And essentially, there's The Rock and there's a big gorilla, which gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And there are other animals that get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, this film actually had a really interesting opening sequence. If anyone saw the average film, life, a little less than average film, Life, last year, this felt like that whole film condensed into the opening bit. And this was the fallout from Life, where a thing, genetically bioengineered thing, crashes into the earth and releases a toxin, which makes some animals, of course, the craziest ones, Transform, they call it genetic editing, and get bigger and bigger and bigger. Virat. Oh, that's like annihilation, right? Yeah, it seems to be a trend. 
but this was a lot funner. I mean, this ha- this film <laughs> wouldn't be not be hard. Look, the, <laughs> look, this film I liked it. It had absolutely no pretense. It was a big blown up stupid action movie. Um, the Rock got to do be the Rock at his best. Uh, we look back on Arnold Schwarzenegger films, all these classic ones, and you know there are some great ones. There are some average ones. This is kind of in the kindergarten cop territory where you. It's not one of his greatest classics, but you'll enjoy it. It's on TV, sure. I'm, if I didn't watch it back in 2018. I'll probably watch it as, you know... I'd rather watch this than another Fast and Furious, to be honest. Yeah, so would I. I'm so yeah. done with those, seri- yeah. those movies. Can, can they just kill everyone off in that series? What wow. if the monsters from Rampage just <laughs> tanked the cars like that scene in Ready Player One? Oh my God, that'd be so meta. Oh God, we, well, the thing is, where can they go with the Fast and Furious series now? I mean, it's out of space. Not even joking, they could actually... Too fast for time. <laughs> <laughs> far- they have to go back and... and uh, Bring back to life the one whose spoilers died, who I won't name. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I'm still backing Fast 9 from Outer Space, but... <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty <laughs> good. That's pretty good. And so, well, we really got tried to take from Rampage. That was Rampage. It is in cinemas now. Either you're going to see the film where The Rock fights giant... Can we, I don't know if we can if we're spoiling it by saying which animals he fights. Essentially, an animal that... It's in the trailer. Yeah. Okay, essentially, an animal that isn't supposed to fly, that you find in, like, Wyoming-type territory, does fly... And there's another animal from the Florida Territory where it, you really don't want them being that big. And Archer would not be happy about it for the dedicated fans of Archer. That might be a little spoiler there if you've got up to season four. Damn all these American animals and people. America in general. America's wonderful. I love America. Yeah. Now, okay. Now, changing tack ever so slightly, we are, we talk, met or talked to Sophie Matheson, the director of the film's sake, last week. And the festival took place over the weekend there were a number of events including the giant piano over at event cinemas they opened up the Addison Road Picture House for a big Fright Night triple screening and one of the films that screened at the festival was Almost Heaven Virat yeah it's a really interesting uh, documentary it's basically set in China for in a mortuary and this young girl who realizes the meaning of life by working in the most unlikeliest of places. It was a lot funnier than I imagined it would have been, actually. And you know, you remember that TV show that HBO did, Six Feet Under? Yes. Where all this family is going through life realizations. With Dexter. While, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, Michael C. Hall. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like that, but set in China and a lot funnier. I found it to be a little bit slight. Like it's, uh, you know, the, we found something interesting and weird about China. You know, teenagers... Working twenty-four hour shifts in mortuary, but, but that's that's the other <laughs> thing. You know, this is like you know, if you're talking about in a very kind of labor conditions. Oh my, oh my God, people working insane hours from a completely Australian lens. It's horrifying, but oh, also it's, yeah, it's insane. But the, the, also pretty funny the, the to see how teenagers really keep their spirit, uh, and also just to see how you know people can work twenty-four hours and not die. Yeah. Um, you know? It's it's definitely interesting. It seems like something that you'd catch on SBS. It's, it's the most late at night, so keep an eye, eye, eye out. Yeah, it's it's probably the least self-aware neoliberal capitalist film to be airing. <laughs> whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> and an, either it is, I can't tell if that's an endorsement or an indictment, but either way, this seems like a film you should probably have a look at. It's pretty yeah, interesting. If the yeah. subject matter grabs you, then I would I would watch yeah, it. What is a 40-hour week? It's more um, like an 80-hour week, right? It's a very, as you say, like not very, very grim film, given that it's about yeah. mortuary. It, ha- it has yeah. death, but like not in that way. And that was almost heaven. The next one we're talking about quickly is MFA, The Revenge Artist, which was at the Edison Road Picture House Friday the 13th, Friday night. Please do check out this venue. It is new and it is marvellous and it's perfect to relax on beanbags and watch 
excellent films. This one starred Francesca Eastwood, which, yes, is the daughter of Clint Eastwood. And she has this the same brilliant intensity that her father. She is excellent in every single scene in this film. And she elevates the film because it is a very clearly does not have a big Hollywood budget, but she has a screen presence that lifts it beyond the constraints of this film. It is a film about a young woman, her character, who responds to acts of sexual assault against the self and others in taking a vigilante approach, uh, which also begins to inform her artwork. She is an art student, and this is when the film becomes really, really interesting in the sense that you have a contrast of the academic discussions of art with the extreme graphic elements which take place throughout. Um, there are some many other interesting elements regarding her relationships with others, including her roommate and classmates. It's a very thought-provoking film. It's a powerful film in many times, and I think it's one worth catching. I'm really glad I did catch it at the fest, particularly in that uh, very interesting environment. Please do check out the Edison Road Picture House. And the next one we're talking about is Marlena the Murderer, which also screened for film's sake. Yeah, this one's pretty interesting. It's a spaghetti western, essentially. Um, it's it's all about revenge. It's all about desolate plains and bandits. But it's a feminist spaghetti western made in Indonesia about a woman who is, after the death of her husband, bandits come, you know, basically to rape and pillage. And she fights back. And the most of the film is about the bond she makes with a woman that she meets while she goes out seeking justice. And... Uh, meanwhile, cross-cutting between other bandits who are trying to chase her down, leading up to an inevitable confrontation. It's very slow-paced, very long-held shots, but beautiful scenery, really kind of um, clever, quirky dialogue. It, it reminded me a little bit of an Abbas Kiarostami film, which is a very high compliment if you don't know his work. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Yeah, this was one of my favorite movies from last year, from the top 10, and it really surprised me with how like, as Westerns go, I, I feel that they really run through the paces a little bit. This felt fresh. This did feel a lot fresh. Even though it's going, different. Yeah, even though it's going ac- across territory that is very traditional, they still found a way to imprint something new on it. Beautifully made, worth a watch, yeah. yeah. And not relishing in the violence, you know, even though violence is pushing the narrative along, which is usually what defines this genre. So a very interesting film overall. And the next one we're talking about is birthday adjustment disorder. Yeah, because uh, it's Friday the 13th and I was staying away from anything horror-related. And We've learned that Barat does not take too well to horror. I didn't <laughs> see him there that night. <laughs> no, not at all. So while Glenn was out watching MFA, I was trying to watch something which was as far away from horror as possible. So I went to see Jed Malone's Australian micro-budget feature, Birthday Adjustment Disorder. It's as crazy and quirky as the title suggests. It's basically shot in this kind of mockumentary style so this person invites a documentary crew to film a wedding themed birthday and what goes on during that time frame it's uh yeah it's it's an experience and it's really funny it's actually one of the most wittier scripts that i've come across because it's got a lot of the snappy exchange of dialogue and it's, you know, basically a group of people. It's like August Outage County, but if it was actually a comedy and not a drama. Fantastic. Um, and that gives us a segue into our next film, which is in cinemas now, Truth or Dare, which I saw last night. It stars Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars and the stars of some TV series, including Teen Wolf and The Flash. It is a story essentially where a group of college students, their last spring break, they go to Mexico 
and they stumble across a circumstance where they play truth or dare and then they find that they can't stop playing it. If they don't carry through on the game, then they will meet some quite gruesome ends. Now, this film works and doesn't work on a number of levels. It works because, like the best of horror or those anxiety-driven films, it feeds into our fear of having to come up against social niceties and what is expected of us. And for the emerging, these emerging college students, when they have to do these truths or dares, which no one would ever want to do in a very public setting, it becomes very difficult. At the same time, um, it is, has that unfortunate fallback of many horror films where you basically know for at least half the film which characters are going to die first and in what order. It pretty well telegraphs these, and it telegraphs a few of the truths or dares Let that will come guess. up. Let me guess. Black, Asian, then older women. Uh, am I correct, or am I still missing the point? Uh, no, I think a uh, li- li- little off of this one, but I do recommend uh, seeing it. But at least for we can we can bring we can talk we can raise this bring this up the following week. Um, that is in cinemas now, which is a terrible segue to our next segment regarding um, some of the well, tragic events of this week, including the death of famous director, Oscar-winning director yeah, Milos Forman. We've lost Milos Forman this week, who was the, the great director of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Amadeus. Um, had a very long and distinguished career. Started off as one of the key figures of the Czech New Wave with the the Feynman's Ball, uh, a very influential and funny uh, satirical political film. Um, as well as another great figure in cinema who's died this week is Aizawa Takahata, always the less famous director at Studio Ghibli uh, after Miyazaki, but definitely his equal in terms of talent and vision. He made many great films. Um, but the two for which I think he'll be most remembered are Grave of the Fireflies, a World War II tragedy, and the absolutely beautiful final epic he made, The Tale of Princess Kaguya. I recommend you seek them out. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much for that. So this has been Chris Evans, Brighton the Rue, Glenn Falconstein. We'll be back next week talking about Avengers Infinity War, the biggest film of the year, arguably. Have a wonderful night. Enjoy movies. Good night. Good night. You shall be avenged. <laughs>